0: This episode is brought to you by Daily Aliyah, an incredibly practical new book by Rabbi Shlomo Ressler presenting a Torah insight corresponding to each Aliyah of every Parsha. Make the Torah our most precious gift a part of your daily life. Allow its timeless message to inspire you and inform your day. Whether you're a seasoned learner or just starting, this unique book will empower you to reflect, introspect, and engage with the Torah by focusing on just one Aliyah a day. Order your copy of Daily Aliyah at dailyaliyah.org today. That's dailyaliyah, A-L-I-Y-A-H, dot org. Proceeds go to support the work of daily giving. Jewish Money Matters, episode 352, Animate Your Dreams with Saul Blinkoff. This episode first aired on Jewish Money Matters on January 16, 2023 you're listening to jewish money matters the podcast where jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business money is a means to serve god in this world with joy to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world i want you to discover the secrets to jewish wealth to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trash, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trash, your host. Welcome to the show. In light of the official beginning of the new year, yes, with the culmination of the festivity of Simcha's Torah yesterday, I'm airing a replay of one of my favorites. I don't know about you, but it's been a month of partying. (laughs) So not only because... You know, with all the months' festivities um, behind on producing episodes, but I'm also traveling in the next few days. So it's you know we're getting right into the swing of things and uh, very very busy. But also, the truth be told, is this is this episode with Saul Blinkov is too good not to get up replay. And honestly, I'd been wanting to feature it again for a while. So this was the perfect occasion. Before we get into a conversation with Saul, host of the Life of Awesome podcast and much more, which you'll soon learn about. Let me remind you that applications are open to Maximize the Business Masterclass with Joyce, Astria, and myself. You can learn all about that and apply at yaeltrush.com forward slash maximize. I also plan to be here Friday to answer your questions. So be sure to send those in yaeltrush.com or DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever you prefer. If you, like myself, were in, you know, Hollywood, not Hollywood, well, that that would be Saul, but um, our guest today, but holiday mode for the past month, then I hope your transition into work is smooth. And please bless me with the same because I sure need it.
1: It's just a reminder to me of with an insane amount of work, you two can accomplish something. And if anyone listening right now should just really walk away with one thing, Do not think you heard the story today of someone who was really, really talented who got his dream. Because what you're actually hearing is the story of someone who was very, very average. I was an average artist. I was really one of the worst artists in the school as a freshman. Mm. But I'm telling you, if I could accomplish that, then those of you listening could accomplish a 100 times more. Because nobody wakes up great at anything.
0: We're talking about making dreams a reality today, not in a woo-woo way, but in a real actionable way. You just heard from Hollywood filmmaker and animator Saul Blinkoff, who achieved his childhood dream and more with an insane amount of work. Except that's a simple way of putting it, because as you'll soon hear, it's not just an insane amount of work, it's so much more. It's an attitude, it's a perspective. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trash, your host. Welcome back to the show. Have I got an episode for you today? Saul shares how he got to become a film animator and film director working for many high profile clients, including Disney, DreamWorks, Netflix, and Amazon. Practical tools for success, both for those of you who have the dream, as well as for those of you who haven't the faintest idea what you want to do when you grow up. Which one are you? Listen up. And if we follow the dream, what about the money? Saul answers that and more with a fabulous sprinkling of Disney movie and Jewish lessons that we hope will inspire you to action. In addition to his career as a Hollywood filmmaker, Saul is a motivational speaker and the host of the podcast Life of Awesome. I didn't do as bad as I thought I would on my Disney trivia. Let's see how you do. Here's the super awesome Saul Blinkoff. Paul Blinkoff, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Yael. So good to be here. So um, good to be here. Thank you.
0: I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite money related topics, making a living, doing exactly what you love, what your talented are, using your capabilities to the fullest. I mean, there's so much of that in your story. Hollywood Animator, Disney, DreamWorks. You've animated films that we all know and love. I want you to start by tracing that career journey for us because I know there are so many lessons in there that we can extract.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, I grew up in New York and I didn't know anybody that had a job that was creative. I didn't know any artists. I didn't know any filmmakers. You know, my dad was a doctor and I knew people that were teachers and business owners. I didn't know anyone that had artistic, Jobs. Mm. Uh, it wasn't until I was 11 years old, and, and by the way, I love to draw, like all kids do, you know. But when I was 11, I remember going to the movies and I saw the movie E.T. Right, the Steven Spielberg classic. What a yeah. masterpiece! And I remember the credits were rolling, and I tapped my mom and I go, "Mom, that's what I want to do someday." And she's like, "What? You want to leave planet Earth in a spaceship?" Uh. <laughs> I went, like, "No, no, 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 no. I want to be a filmmaker, a movie maker." And again, I mm-hmm. didn't even know what the job was. I didn't know what a director is, but it just inspired me to go to the library and find out about filmmaking. So I found out that Steven Spielberg, who was Jewish, you know, made this movie. I'm like, oh, I'm Jewish. I could probably do it too, right? And every weekend, Spielberg would make movies, murder movies, uh, movies with kids in the neighborhood. So I got a film camera, my twin sister, my older brother, and I started making movies. I made a kidnap movie. One movie I remember, we tied my sister up to a tree really tight. And at the end, we go into the house to watch the finished movie. And my mom's like, I like the movie, but where's your sister? I'm like, well, she's still tied to the tree. What's wrong? So, you know, look, I I knew I was going to be a filmmaker. That was my dream until I got to high school. And somebody came up to me in high school one day and they're like, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? I'm like, well, I'm Mm -hmm. going to be a filmmaker they're like, nah, you don't want to do that because if you want to do that, you're going to have to move out to Hollywood and Hollywood is filled with strange weirdos, Mm. right? They said, you don't want to end up a weirdo, do you? And I said, no, I don't want to end up a weirdo. And right then and there, I literally gave up on my dream because one person told me I would end up a weirdo. And, you know, when I reflect on that story, it makes me think, you know, how often in our lives does someone say something to us? and inspire us to continue on our journey or to dream big. And, and at the same time, someone can say something to us and derail us
0: right. from
1: a goal or from believing in ourselves. So I gave up on that. I wasn't going to do that. My parents like, so what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'll go back to being an artist. And you know, thank God I have very supportive parents. And they hired an art teacher to come to our home and teach me to draw from life. And I'll never mm. forget. She said the first day, she said, Saul, drawing is about seeing. Drawing is about developing your eye to look at the world a certain way. She was amazing. And by the way, um, she had me draw people at cafes, restaurants, bus stops, always drawing from life. And I I remember bringing my drawings together. And she's like, well, I like your drawings, but all the people you're drawing, they don't have hands. Why why is that? Did they not have hands in real life? I'm like, no, no, they had hands. She goes, well, why didn't you draw the hands? I'm like, well, because it's hard. She goes, oh, okay, good. Guess what your homework is? Mm -hmm. Every night before you go to bed, you're going to draw your hand from a different position. And I did that. And in six months, I got really good at drawing hands. And, and she just taught me just one of the most valuable lessons of life. Is So often, a lot of us stray away from the discomfort of things that we don't do well. Mm-hmm. And she taught me the mindset of getting out of our comfort zone with the goal to make the thing you don't do well, make it your strength. Yeah. Turn your weakness into your strength. What an amazing teacher she was. And everyone listening, by the way, you know, no matter where you are in life, we all know where our strengths and where our weaknesses are. Right. You know what separates greatness from good? It's it's the idea of I want to turn those weaknesses into strength. So she was an amazing teacher and I was going to be an artist. And then, Ya'el, I went to the movies and I saw another movie that changed my life. I saw the movie. Here, I'll test your Disney knowledge. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll,
0: I'm going to fail miserably. We'll do
1: some Disney trivia. Right? I'll hum <laughs> the song and see if you know it. You ready? Yeah. Uh, na, 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 I- na. No,
0: I won't. No, I won't. All right. How about
1: this? How about this? I'll sing part of the song from different okay. songs if you got it. ready. Here we go. The seaweed is always green. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say snowboard. Little Mermaid. There That's you just, go. Like hesitating, but yes, that was gonna be my first. Yeah, see, okay. you
1: Hesitated. So you gotta get out of your comfort zone. Yes. See? <laughs>
0: Lesson right there in real life, people applying it life. on the podcast.
1: That's right. So I went and I see the Little Mermaid, and I remember the credits are rolling. I tap my mom, and I'm like, Mom. That's what I want to do. She's like, mm. what, you want to fall in love with a fish? I'm like, no, I want to be an animator at Disney. Because, you see, animation combined my two passions, my love of filmmaking, my love of drawing, put them together, animation. And plus, I found out that Disney had a studio in Orlando, Florida. I don't have to go out to L.A.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, so we check, We right. crossed that. Oh, becoming a weirdo. <laughs>
1: That's right. So there I was, junior in high school, and I knew exactly what my dream was. My mm. dream was to become a Disney animator. I just had one problem. I had no idea how to do it. You know, so often I meet people and I'll ask them, what's your goal? And some people will have the clarity to know what their goal is. I'll ask them, well, then how are you going to accomplish that? And sometimes I get a blank stare. I don't know. You know, uh, I say to my kids all the time, you go to a great restaurant You taste an unbelievable dessert, tiramisu, creme brulee, whatever you like. You want to make it at home? Well, you can do it if you have the recipe. Right. That's the how. I didn't have the recipe. Today, you want to be a Disney animator? You go to a little thing called Google, and you type in, how do you begin? And you'll find out. Well, back then, as my kids call it, in the olden days... <laughs> right.
0: We have a leg in the ground already. You, and you know I. what
1: I mean? Right. <laughs> so there was no internet. So, what did I have? The most supportive parents in history my mom took me, not my brother and sister, just took me from New York to Disney World just to to walk me around Disney World, just asking the Disney cast members, that's what they call their employees, asking them how her son could be a Disney animator. I remember we're getting on- the the,
0: award of the year. Oh, was actually It was
1: actually very embarrassing. I remember we're getting on the It's a Small World boat ride, right? We're stepping on the boat, and the Disney lady's like, how many in your party were like two? We're stepping on. My mom's like, by the way, my son (laughs) wants to be a Disney animator. Can you help? It was very embarrassing. So we found out, that Disney hires all their employees at the Disney Casting Building, and it was five minutes away from where we were in Disney World. Mm. So my mom drives me to this building. Can you imagine what what a Disney office building must look like? I mean, it was incredible. It was imaginative, whimsical. I remember the doorknobs were made of brass, and they looked like the ones from the film Alice in Wonderland—the doorknobs that speak, that talk. Wow. So I open up these doors. I'm standing in this atrium. And there's gold statuettes of Mickey, Donald, Pluto, Goofy. Even the air in there was like, like, like <laughs> magical, like, like pixie dust in the air, right? <laughs> and finally, they call me for the interview. And the woman says, what do you do? I'm like, well, my dream is to be a Disney animator. She goes, well, we don't hire those here. I'm like, well, who do you hire? She goes, well, we hire people that work the rides in the park. You know, people that make the teacups spin around and that make the Dumbo ride. go." I'm like, that's not really my dream. She goes, well, hold on a second. And she walks out. Comes back in two minutes later and hands me a piece of paper, which became the most valuable piece of paper I have ever held in my hands, Mm -hmm. other than my wedding ketubah, my wedding contract, in case my wife's listening. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a piece of paper with a list of eight schools. It was eight art schools that Disney recruits their artists from. She says, if you want to be a Disney animator, you need to go to one of these schools. Boom. That was it. That was the recipe. And in my mind, I heard it like an equation. Saul plus go to one of these schools will equal dream of becoming a Disney animator. And that's really how I got my goal, my dream. And I found out the what, and I found out the how, how to make it happen. That was really the beginning. Mm -hmm.
0: So did you, you end up going to one of these schools and you end up getting recruited?
1: Well, it wasn't that simple, but yeah. Um, I went to one of these schools. I went to the Columbus college of art and design in Ohio. And uh I remember um the first day I walked into my dorm room and uh actually into that that the whole freshman dorm and I see this one kid has Mickey Mouse slippers. Okay. and I'm like, what kind of college kid wears Mickey Mouse slippers? You know like the, the big yellow feet that Mickey right? <laughs> yeah. I think one of my kids has those. And okay, honestly I have them, but don't tell me. <laughs> Um, so I remember seeing this kid has Mickey mouse slippers and I'm like, he's got a Mickey mouse bedspread. He's got a Mickey mouse telephone, Mickey mouse, lunchbox, Mickey mouse clocks in the room. I I mean, it was literally Disney world in a room and had every Disney poster on the wall. I see in the corner, he's got a sketchbook. So I open up that sketchbook and it's pictures of Mickey mouse drawings, Mickey mouse hands from all these different expressions. And I'm like, I never drew Mickey before I was intimidated. Now, the guy wasn't in the room at the time. I'm just kind of looking through his stuff, which is probably not a good thing. But I did. <clears throat> and um, I turned to leave the room, and I bump into the guy whose room it is. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Busted.
1: <laughs> busted, right? So I look at him. I go, hey, man, I'm sorry. And he looks at me, and he says, <laughs> how are you doing?
0: Oh, yeah. has a Mickey Mouse voice, too? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And I go, I'm good. What's your name? He says, my name's Jason. but people call me Mickey Mouse Jason. I'm like, they call you what? He goes, Mickey Mouse. I'm like, I heard you. You have a Disney nickname. He's like, what? You don't? I'm like, no. I go back to my dorm room. I get on the phone with my mom. And I'm like, mom, if I'm going to fit in an art school, I need Disney stuff. I was surrounded by Funny. Disney nerds. Everyone knew everything about Walt Disney. What's his middle name? What's his wife's maiden name? Like, Oh, oh this I is know
0: hysterical. It is. Crazy.
1: And, you know, it wasn't until like a week later there was a, um, an assembly for the entire school, whoever wanted to go, because a Disney representative was coming from Walt Disney feature animation to our school mm-hmm. to give a presentation to what Disney's looking for in their portfolios. And this guy must have been over 70 years old, one of the original animators on Sleeping Beauty. Incredible. To me, it was like looking at Walt Disney himself on a stage. <laughs> and the guy stands on that stage. And before he makes his presentation, he looks out to us. And he sees everyone there. And he goes, how many people people in this room want to work at Disney? And I'm telling you, every hand went up. And there must have been over 500 students, every freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. And he goes, just so you know, out of the 500 of you in this room, maybe, just maybe, four of you will ever work there. That's how competitive it is. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he said that, I thought one thing. I wonder who the other three are going to be. Wow. Because look, in life, you know, we either believe in ourselves or we don't. I mean, really deep down, like deep down, not what we post on Facebook or Instagram or what we tell people. Like deep down, do you really believe in you? And at that point, maybe I was naive. Maybe I just had supportive parents. (laughs) I really did believe that I could do it one day. Then he says, if you want to get into Disney, got to get the internship. No internship, no Disney. And if you want the internship, you need a portfolio filled mm-hmm. with hundreds of drawings of humans and animals from life. No cartoon characters, and especially, he goes, no drawings of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and you can see Mickey Mouse Jason in the back, right, slouching oh, in his chair, you know. Oh, never, boy, you know. <laughs> but to me, the equation was building. First, it was Saul go to one of these schools will equal dream. Now it's Saul plus a portfolio. A figure drawing and anatomy, humans and animals from life will equal dream. So I start drawing nonstop. I remember that first week in school, I met this guy named Andy, and this guy was like the hardest worker in the school. Mm -hmm. He was a freshman. He was the best artist in the school because the guy never stopped drawing. And he became my best friend. And you know, I'll tell you, just me being friends with someone like that made me a better artist because who we choose to be friends with Who we choose to associate ourselves with actually affects who we become. Their values become my values. And sophomore year, I get my drawings together and I put them in a portfolio. And look, you know, I didn't expect to get in the first uh, time trying, but I just wanted to get my portfolio out there to Disney. I sent it into Disney and I waited and I get a letter back on Disney stationery. It's got like a gold leaf Mickey embossed, right? My name is printed on the front. I was like, wow, the Disney company knows I'm alive. My name is on this envelope. <laughs> I open up the envelope. It says, Saul, thanks for sending your portfolio. But unfortunately, you didn't uh. make it. <clears throat> All right. So I got rejected. Look, I, like I said, I didn't expect it. I remember I actually put that letter up on my my wall. People were coming into my dorm room. The wow. motivator? Yeah. People are like, blink off. The Disney company knows you're alive. You're so lucky. It was awesome. (laughs) Another year goes by, drawing nonstop. And Andy and I one day, I'll never forget, we went to the zoo with like 15 other students. And, you know, if you have to draw animals, you got to draw them from the zoo. That's where you go. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those days. I don't know if anyone listening lives in the cold weather. I'm talking like bitter cold, freezing. It was one of those days. We all get to the zoo. And we go right into this cafe. We get hot chocolate and coffee and tea because it's freezing out there. After about two minutes, Andy and I sharpen the pencil. We go out there, and we're trying to find an animal to draw. You know, yeah, sometimes you go to the zoo, and you, you want to see a lion, but he's, like, hiding behind the rock. You know, like, right. there's a tail. But, like, you never know what you're going to get, right? So this one day was amazing. We get to the elephants, and there's this elephant just pacing back and forth in the exact same place, doing the exact same movement, which is the greatest gift you can give someone who's studying movement and animation to have an animal repeat that same movement over and over again. was awesome. So Andy and I stood there freezing, walking back and forth, following this elephant, doing all these drawings of the poses of the tusk. It was amazing. Afterwards, we go onto the bus and I'm showing him what I drew and he's showing me what he drew. I'm like, wow, dude, that was awesome. And I see one of these other guys and I'm like, dude, we never saw any of you at the elephants. What animals were you guys drawing? The guy looks at me and says, we weren't drawing any animals. None of us ever left the cafe. I said, what do you mean you didn't leave the cafe? He goes, well, we couldn't leave. I said, what do you mean you couldn't leave? Why couldn't you leave? He says, because it was too cold. I was like, boom. I'm telling you, that was the greatest moment of my life. Because in that moment, I knew that I would outwork all the competition. Right. And if anyone listening thinks for a moment, think about anything you want to accomplish in life that you want to be not good at, not great at, but you want to be awesome at. Mm-hmm. Anything in life that you want to be awesome at is going to take an insane amount of effort. Mm-hmm. And you know what it means? Discomfort, sometimes struggle, often pain, pain. You know, put on a Netflix documentary about someone that inspires you. Whatever it is, Steve Jobs, Michael Jordan, I don't care what it is. Whoever inspires you in your life. You know what they all have in common? They they went through an insane amount of pain. Look at a couple that you think have a perfect marriage. Right. You, you know what their Work. secret is? Work, right? That's Work. it. Every How day. much are you are you really willing to put in? So Andy and I get those portfolios together and we send them into Disney. And Mm -hmm. at this point, everybody in the school knew if there's two people that are going to get into Disney, it's going to be Saul and Andy. Because these guys outwork everybody. A month goes by. I get a call one day, and it's Andy on the phone. Hey, man, what's up? He's like, blink off. Did you hear? I'm like, no. What? He goes, I just got a call from Disney. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I got the internship. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you got it. That's amazing. He's like, but you didn't hear it, did you? I'm like, no, but they could be trying to call me right now. We got to hang out. We didn't have call waiting back then. right? I hang up the phone. My mom comes in the dining room. She's pacing. I remember I was home in New York during that time. During that, it was like winter break. And my mom was like, they didn't call. I'm like, I pick up the phone. I'm like, mom, there is a dial tone, right? You have been paying your phone bill. She's like, <laughs> right. So you know what happens? I can't stand the waiting. I pick up the phone and I dial the head of Disney myself. Who does oh. that? Well, I did. Because when there's something you want in your life, you will do anything yeah. to get it. You know, Yale, I grew up in New York, and I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, (laughs) uh, unless he played the Knicks. When he played the Knicks, I didn't like him. I wanted the Knicks to win, but he always destroyed us, I think, five times in the playoffs over the years. But one game, I must have been 12 years old, standing next to the court before the game, watching Michael Jordan and the rest of the players just warm up. And my older brother's next to me. I said to my brother, Jay, I'm going to walk out there and go shake Michael Jordan's hand. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Before he could finish Watch that me. sentence. It's a true story. I walked out on the court and I shook Jordan's hand. And I looked up to him. I said, hi, Mr. Jordan. And he looked down at me and said, quote, yo, how you doing? End quote. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I walked out there. By the way, I never washed my hand ever. You know? <laughs> Bill has that sweat from number 23. But you know why I walked out on that court? Because when there is something you want in your life, you mm. will do anything to get it. So I called the head of Disney. I said, yeah. hi, my name is Saul. I want to find out about the internship. He goes, oh, Saul. Yeah, I have your name on a list here. I'm like, really? Andy goes, yeah, you didn't make it. Oh, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you didn't. I'm like, what about Andy? He goes, yeah, he made it. You didn't. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I hung up the phone. And that was a moment that was bitter and sweet, right? Sweet. I was very happy for my best friend, but bitter because right. my dream was shattered. And I went back to school. And I remember walking yeah, I, the hall. I'm
0: like, I'm like, no, no, <clears throat> yeah. no, So don't hang up the phone. Ask him why. I know. Ask him why
1: you Right? <laughs> You're right.
0: Okay, you know so you come back.
1: I, I go back to school. I'm walking in the halls and people are coming up to me like, Blink off, what happened? Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. Where's Andy? Oh, he got in. You didn't. I became known as the guy that was friends with the guy that got into Disney, right? I became known as the guy who did not get what he really, really wanted. And I felt like a failure. And then I came up with the most brilliant way to take that feeling of being a failure away. And for everyone listening, just think for a moment if there's anything in your life. That you are striving for, that you dream for, that you have the clarity that this is the most purposeful, meaningful goal that you have. And if you want that goal and you fail and you fail like a, and you feel like a failure, you do what I did. And the feeling of being a failure goes away in a second. You know what I did? What? I gave up. What? I gave up. Yeah. Instead of becoming a person that doesn't get what he really, really wants, I took away the want. I gave up. And you know what? Reality set in. Reality was Andy was an awesome artist, and I was just average. Okay, I worked hard, but he was a natural. He was gifted. He was amazing. And I was just me. You know, each one of us wakes up every day, and we have this, you know, shoulder angel whispering into our ear, telling us, you can have a great life. You can have a great marriage. You can be a great parent. You can find your soulmate. You can change the world. There's nothing you can't do. But, but then there's the other side, that shoulder devil telling us, who do you think you are?
0: Right. Who are you You're to just do average?
1: This? Who are you to do this? Who are you to even think about it? And I listened to that voice and I gave up on my dream. That was it until two weeks, two weeks go by. A friend of mine calls me up and says, Saul, I got tickets to go see a movie. You want to go? And I'm like, I'm not really in the mood. He's like, but they're free tickets. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone offers you free in college. You take it. So I go to the movies and I'm watching this movie. And sometimes, you know, you see a movie at the right time in your life. It just mm-hmm. speaks to you. And I see this movie. And at the end of this movie, there go my goosebumps right now. Tears are streaming down my face, not choked up, crying. Because I'm watching a movie and it was a true story I was watching. This is a true story about a guy who had a dream to play football at Notre Dame. He was a high school kid. Mm -hmm. Wasn't athletic. Was five feet tall. The movie's called, you know what the movie is?
0: Mm -mm.
1: It's called Rudy. Have you ever heard of that movie? Uh,
0: I think so. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. What
1: an incredible true story. This guy, he dreams of getting a Notre Dame. You know what happens the first time he tries? Rejected. Second Mm -hmm. time? Rejected. Third time? Rejected. But fourth time? You know, if you look at the movie poster for the movie Rudy, it says on the poster, when dream, when people tell you dreams don't come true, tell them about Rudy. Wow. He gets in, and tears are streaming down my face because I'm thinking if an unathletic kid like that could get into Notre Dame with an insane amount of hard work, then what I thought was an untalented artist could get into Disney with an insane amount of hard work, and I vowed mm-hmm. to never give up again. And then the next day, I called up the head of Disney again. I got him on the phone. I love
0: I the chutzpah. Oh, yeah.
1: I got him on the phone. I go, excuse me, can I ask you a question? He goes, who is this? I'm like, yeah, this is Saul Blink. He goes, yeah, so I told you, you didn't make it. I'm like, yeah, I have a question for you. How close was I? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, how many students did you pick from how many portfolios? He goes, well, let me check. He says, we picked 17 students from over 3,800 portfolios around the world, and you made it to number 20.
0: <gasps> whoa, three,
1: that's it.
0: Wow. That close.
1: I was three away. Give me you know many times in our lives. We could be so close to achieving our goal. We feel we're miles away and all we needed to do is push just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then I asked him the million dollar question, which you said five minutes ago. What did I ask him?
0: What do I need to do?
1: Why didn't I get in? Right. What do I need to do? What's missing from my right. work? We're that takes a tremendous
0: life. amount of humility, right? Right. Right. I'm willing to learn just at why, why not get right. in tell me and I'll do it.
1: Exactly. Because we're all going to fail in life. Right. At, at, at what? At everything we try. Mm-hmm. With everything we try. We're not failing, we're not growing. (laughs) That's right. We're not failing, we're not growing. Boom. You heard it from Yael. That was such a great quote. I love that. (laughs) If you're not failing, you're not growing. So he said, You got to work on this. You got to work on more perspective and stand on a stool and draw the people from above and get. And I'm like, Great. Thank you. Amazing. I go back. I work on my portfolio constantly. And uh, I remember I had an interview from the same guy who came to our school years earlier, who came on the stage, he came to right. look at portfolios and I show him my portfolio. He's looking at my drawings and uh, he's like, I love your drawings. I want to send it to Florida to the Disney studios for the next round of review. And I'm like, thank you. But before I hand him the portfolio, I'm clutched on it. And so is he. And I'm going to tug a war with this 7 year old man. He's like, Saul, what are you doing? He can't get out of his hands. I said, let me ask you a question before I give you this portfolio. You told me you like my work, but let me ask you, when do you actually need the portfolio in Florida? He's like, well, not for two more weeks. I'm like, great. Let me have it. I'll send it to you in two weeks. He goes, why? I'm like, because any drawing I do tomorrow has to be better than every drawing that's in this book. And if I have two more weeks, I could do better work. He's like, no problem. He's like, send it to me. I'm about to walk out of the room and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I got an animator from Sleeping Beauty, who oversees <laughs> all of worst. Disney animation, in the room with me? Before I leave the room, I go, excuse me, one more question. He goes, yeah, I go, any ideas what I could do to make it better? Mm-hmm. You see, of course, when we fail, of course, we need to hear ways that we can grow. Guess what? Even when we succeed, you can still grow. Right. There's no such thing as perfect. Right. You know, I tell this to my kids all the time. You got an A on an essay? great. Does it mean you're perfect? No, ask the teacher. I know I got the A, but anything else you want me to know? Anything I could do better? So before I walked out, he goes, yeah, you know what? You should work on this in your portfolio. You should work on drawing effects like water, rain, fire, smoke. I'm like, great. That's the answer key.
0: Right. So
1: I go back and I start putting more drawings together. As a matter of fact, I did something crazy. Are you ready for this?
0: Yeah. What'd you do?
1: I took the entire portfolio. All those drawings that I'd worked so hard on, I put them under my bed. I said, yeah. you know what, what if this portfolio doesn't even exist? Because you know what I don't want? <clears throat> I don't want him to get the portfolio in the mail in two weeks and go, oh, Saul, nice guy from Ohio. I remember this drawing. I remember, oh, look, he did the, the water drawings I told him, the fire. It's not what I wanted because that's what he was expecting to happen. Uh instead i sent him an entirely new portfolio can i actually create an entirely new portfolio in two weeks and that is exactly what i did because what i wanted to happen is him to go "Oh, Saul, nice guy from ohio wait a minute i never saw that drawing i never saw that drawing but he did a whole new portfolio because then when i'm showing him my work i'm showing him something much more i'm showing him me i'm showing him my work ethic and if you want to walk away with anything from this interview, people, anyone listening, you could forget everything I've said in the last 20 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> Except for Yael's amazing quote, the failure <laughs> is how we grow. You, don't forget that. This is the next thing you don't want to forget. Always exceed expectations. Yes. Two words, exceed expectations. They want you there at nine o'clock, you get there at 850. Mm. They want 10 problems solved, you do 11. Mm -hmm. My wife calls me. is like, honey, can you go to Trader Joe's and pick up some fresh basil? I'm making sauce. I come home. I hand her the basil. It's exactly what she was expecting. What if I take out the other hand? I go, oh, by the way, picked up the dry cleaning, yo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Boom. Exceed expectations. You have that mindset for life. You're going to do okay. (laughs) You know? So I send the portfolio in. And a week later, I get a call from my buddy, Andy. He's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what am I not going to believe? He goes, they just built a brand new wing on the studio for the next interns. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you deserve to be there. I'm like, thanks, man. He goes, you know what else they did? I'm like, what? He goes, they built a basketball court just for the Disney animators. I'm like, really? He's like, you deserve to play on that court. I'm like, thanks, man. Anything else? He- and he goes, well, there is one more thing. I go, what? He goes, they put up a piece of paper with a list of the next interns. I'm like, yeah. And, and he he you're on the list. Aww. I'm like, what? He goes, dude, you did it. I'm like, thank you. Oh, he's like, what are you thanking me for? You did it. I hang up the phone. I go over to my tape player. Some of you under the age of 30 don't know what tapes are. They played music, right? And at the top of my lungs, it's the circle of life. <laughs> that it moves up, right? I remember picking up the phone. I dialed my mom. Can you imagine how fast I dialed her? And she could hear it in my voice. She's like, honey, did you do it? I said, no, mom, we did it.
0: Oh, my. we did this,
1: mom. You took me to Disney World, mom. You took me to this school, you took me that. But this winter, you can stay in New York because I'm going to the happiest place on earth. And I ended up at Disney on the internship. <clears throat> the first film I worked on on the internship uh, was the film Pocahontas. Wow, this is cool. this is BF before Frozen, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll never forget the very first scene I ever got to draw in that movie was a very dramatic scene where Pocahontas is talking to to John Smith in the forest at night, and Coquem is the Native American guy she's supposed to marry. Well, he finds out she's talking to someone else. He's not very happy about it. He walks through the forest at night. There's these leaves. He pushes through these leaves, and they asked me to draw the leaves. Hmm. That's it. Just the leaves. I was the leaf guy at Disney. And you know what? That was okay. That was terrifying. You do a drawing of a leaf on a piece of paper. It's Can't this big.
0: Don't mess that up. But on
1: a movie screen, it's a 50-foot leaf. It better be a good leaf. I remember I took as Xerox of that leaf drawing. I sent it home to my mom. She tells everyone in the community, my son draws leaves for Disney. She's so <laughs> no. proud, right? She puts that leaf drawing on the refrigerator with the rest of my artwork growing up. Anyway, I eventually did get to work on the character Pocahontas herself, eventually the hunchback of notre dame mulan tarzan uh became a director years later and thank god get to live my dream every day as a filmmaker doing what i love living my passion um but you know you don't just wake up with the goal and go hey i want to do this and get it you have to go through the struggle and the pain and i'll tell you when i when i first saw my name in the movie pocahontas you know it's like no one in the world will ever look at a movie credit and, and follow the name of anyone other than like the parents or the spouses or the kids, right? right? It's not for anyone else. But when I saw my name in there, and even when I tell it to you right now, there's no fame that comes with getting your name in a movie credit, unless you're like Steven Spielberg, right? No one knows the names. It's not, it's, there's no fame there. It's just a reminder to me of with an insane amount of work. You too can accomplish something. And if anyone listening right now should just really walk away with one thing, do not think you heard the story today of someone who was really, really talented who got his dream. Because what you're actually hearing is the story of someone who was very, very average. I was an average artist. I was really one of the worst artists in the school as a freshman. Mm. But I'm telling you, if I could accomplish that, then those of you listening could accomplish a 100 times more because nobody wakes up great at anything.
0: Right. But here, here's a follow up to that. What about the person listening? Who's like, fine, but you know what? Saul said he knew what his dream was. He knew what he wanted to do. Right. And so many people are, from an early age, like you, like get it. Like they just know I have a talent. I have an aptitude. I might not be the best, but I'm drawn to someone. And this is the path that this is who I want to be when I grow up. But there's like about two thirds of the population that we just like go through life and the education system. And we have no clue. What do we tell those people
1: Right. Okay. So first of all, what you just asked me is the number one question that I've been asked throughout really? my life. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you're speaking for the unsilent majority. You know, most right. people really don't have that clarity. How do you get it? Well, I have, I have two, two tools okay, to share. One of them is, you know, <clears throat> when you look at, um, you know, I'm a movie guy, so I'll use movies as an example. When you use, m- when you look at a movie poster, well, some of us aren't committed to spending $20 a ticket to see a movie from just seeing the poster. Right. You look at the poster, you're like, yeah, it's a little interesting, but you want a little more information, right? So you're like, well, well let me see who directed it. What are the actors in it? You'll look at mm-hmm. the names underneath. Oh, it's Spielberg. Oh, Tom Hanks. Oh, that's good. Maybe I'll see it for that. But even then, you may not be convinced. So what do you do? You, you watch the movie trailer.
0: Right. right.
1: You watch that trailer. and You're like, ooh, that's the best scene. You know what it's like? It's like dating. You don't meet somebody and go, you know what? I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. If you do, you're going to end up like uh, Anna and Frozen. (laughs) That didn't work very well, right? Right. So you you don't. So what you do is you go on a couple dates, and what are those Mm -hmm. dates? It's like the movie trailer. It's like the best scenes of the person all in one. Right? They look nice. They got the cologne, the perfume, the makeup, the cars clean. They pull out the chair. They open the door. (laughs) She's sweet. She. That's not the movie. That's the trailer. Mm -hmm. Right. There comes a point though. When you have to make a commitment. So what do I tell people? You got to think of life as dating. Mm -hmm. You're not sure you want to spend your life doing one thing. So what you do is you find out what interests you. And here's what I mean. If you have a little bit of an interest in animals, that doesn't mean you want to be a veterinarian. I'm like, well, well, hold on. No no one said you had to be a veterinarian, but do you have a little interest in animals? Yeah. So why don't you go find out what are the professions that Speaking of animals, there's yeah, my dog there, there barking. He loves this part. <laughs> um, what are the professions that people have involved with animals? And go find out what their life is like. Oh, you mm-hmm. like sports? Yeah, but you're not going to play in the NBA. Why? Because you're Jewish. You're not going to play in the NBA, right? <laughs> right, it's not going to happen. You can own the team, but you won't play on the team. Okay. <laughs> so, so what do you do? So, what do you do? You go find out. What are the jobs? Oh, you could be a sports agent. Well, what's this? I don't know if I want to be a sports agent. Okay, fine. So how about this? Find out 10 sports agents out there. Take them out to lunch. Call them. Go on LinkedIn and ask them, what's the best thing about your day? What do you love about being a sport? What do you hate about it? And then little light switches go off in us when we we start to investigate. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people think I should only strive to do something that I do well. People always say, well, you know, this person was born with gifts they have mm-hmm. a gift like andy andy had a gift right he was a great artist a gift is not something you do well it's something that interests you that's the gift then you take that interest combine it with the insane amount of hard work sure. and then you can achieve something yeah so I tell people everybody's interested in something don't tell me you're not interested in something Think of the movies you like. Think of the music you like. Think of where you're clicking on Instagram, TikTok. What what do you watch? What do you not watch? Mm -hmm. What do you do on a Sunday? What do you do when you have free time? Are you watching cooking documentaries? Did you actually notice you're watching 10 cooking shows a week? Maybe you have an interest in food because guess what? Your friend's not watching that. They're watching sports. Oh, wow. Maybe I am interested in food. Now Mm -hmm. ask yourself Why? What is it about it? Well, I was always artistic as a kid and food is like art, but you can eat it and there's pleasure. Oh, well, maybe you're interested in that. But mm-hmm. so I tell people date careers, I you love know, that. date, date that. Then you'll come to a day when you're like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Right. The, the light switch goes off.
0: Right. But, but it, it goes, it goes back to something I say on the podcast a lot. It's about the action, right? It's not about staying passive right. and just letting life pass you by but literally taking an active role and pursuing like what are the breadcrumbs like what am i interested like everything that you're saying is is an is an echoes your your story on a different it's the same it's the same mechanics it's let me the curiosity right let me explore it let me try it let me invest some time and energy at this right right? because we
1: all have curiosity in something nobody wakes up and they don't not interested in anything. anything right there's nobody.
0: Right, 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 right. I mean, this is incredible. Now, l- let me ask you about the money piece because your parents were very unusual in that they encourage you. They were so supportive, but you know, and, and we grew up around the same time. It was more so maybe than nowadays. There's a, there was a lot of messaging and there still is that we send our kids with just those comments like, how are you going to make a living at that? Right. How are you going to, you know, nobody nobody makes <laughs> especially, money especially especially in
1: the art field. Come on, right? right? No, a starving oh, artist, the right? starving
0: artist. You have to be practical, right? And by the way, this is the opposite of Judaism. Judaism says encourage in your children and yourself the ch- the child within you to find a livelihood in the area where you shine that you love that you have a talent and aptitude because that's what God gave you that the the yeah. livelihood follows, right? So how can we do better for our kids?
1: Right. Okay. Um, let me, let me throw you another side to the question you asked earlier. I'm going to tie it into this. Yeah. You know, the goal of life, let's talk broad for a second. In my humble opinion, the goal of life really has to be more than how do I get to make money doing what I love? Right. There's gotta be a little, there's gotta be more than that. You know, because the problem with that mentality is what we're saying to ourselves is, how do I do what I love? It's about me. It's it's all about me. About me. You know, one of the movies that I love, one of the Disney, I did not work on this movie because I started at Disney right after. But at before Frozen Uh and and before Shrek, which was DreamWorks, the biggest animated movie of all that changed the world. Here comes your Disney trivia again. I I think I know this one. What do you think?
0: Lion
1: King boom you got ah, it nobody well. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> knows the words <laughs> to that beginning part ah, nah, circle of life right but nobody knows the beginning it's like ah Pennsylvania <laughs> it's like Transylvania like what are you even saying anyway but in that movie Lion King by the way anyone here not seen the movie um spoiler alert because if you haven't seen the movie it's been like 35 years now, I think. Mm-hmm. You deserve to have it spoiled, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at that movie, that movie has some of the greatest messaging I've ever seen in any Disney movie or in any movie for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's a story about kingship and responsibility and leadership. And here's Simba as a young cub and he sings this whole song, I just can't wait to be king. And his father's like, Simba, there's more to being a king than getting your way all the time.
0: And mm-hmm. Simba's
1: like, there's more (laughs) like what could be better (laughs) And something happens to dad yeah what happens to dad
0: he he gets hurt no he gets wounded is
1: that what Um, he gets the worst kind of hurt he's called murder
0: he dies he dies i mean it is a disney
1: movie they always kill off a parent you know yeah okay remember nemo they killed off mom
0: yes yes oh that was so sad
1: bambi they killed off mom it's a disney movie by the way you ever see how many disney movies there's no moms you ever notice that little mermaid has no mother Belle, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, no mother. Aladdin, no mother. Mm-hmm. Bambi, what okay, they did to his mother. <laughs> right? So that's another discussion. We'll talk about the part two of why, the, the, the behind the scenes on why there's no moms in Disney movies. But yeah, in Lion King, Simba wants to be king, thinks being a king is I can do whatever I want. Dad dies. Simba goes off into Hakuna Matata world. Remember? Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Now it's
0: coming back to me. Yes, run, yes. Run, run,
1: run, right. And what does akuna matata mean? It means no worries for the rest of your day. No worries. Who wouldn't want to live a life like that? No worries.
0: Fun.
1: That's right. He goes and lives there, and it's like the Garden of Eden. There's lush waterfalls and flowers. It's beautiful. He's got everything you could ever want. He's living in a jacuzzi. It's like Hawaii, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Towards the end of the movie, who shows up to see him? Nala, the girl mm. he used to hang out with. But now she's grown up and she comes back to him. She's like, Simba, I can't believe you're alive. You got to come back with me. He's like, what do you mean come back with you? Look where I live. I live in Garden of Eden. I'm in Hawaii. It's beautiful. Kuna matata. She's like, maybe I didn't make myself clear. Scar, your uncle has taken over everything. And if you don't come back with me, everyone's going to die. And you are responsible then you know Mm -hmm. what he says hakuna matata i'm staying right here and she leaves him he's left alone rafiki comes the baboon hits him on the head he sees in the clouds his father remember who you are oh yes right and simba goes back defeats scar and it becomes the biggest animated movie of all time not because we loved movies about lions but because that movie gives us a message. You know what real greatness is? Waking up every day with one mindset. How do I take responsibility for the world? Mm -hmm. You know what the goal of life is? Yeah, you should take your passions. You love art. You love cooking. You love sports. You have a passion. It lights you up. You're excited about it. Take that passion and say, how do I use what makes me unique to impact humanity. You know, Winston Churchill has the most incredible quote, so beautiful. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give.
0: Right.
1: You know, the thing we have to tell our kids is, especially our, you know, I have four kids and I have two of them, three of them are teenagers, Mm -hmm. right? You do. And I have two of them in high school and they're figuring out what am I going to do? And I keep reminding them, Yeah, find what love, what you love. Find what lights you up. But perhaps put that aside and think: where is there a a crack, a problem,
0: right, a void that I can fill?
1: Right, because each one of us has a unique purpose. Because there's no two people that are alike, right. And if no two people on the planet are alike, or have ever been alike, or will ever be alike, Mm -hmm. then we must have a different purpose, right? You know, there's a great woman, Margaret Mead. Had an incredible quote she would tell her kids. She took her kids by the hand and she said, Don't ever forget that you are created unique and special, just like everyone else. Mm. All <laughs> right. See, we think being unique is have to be better than everyone. No, you already are unique. And you know who you're in competition with? There's Nobody. no
0: competition yourself.
1: That's, that's it, it. Just that's with it. you. Just and with that's you. the only thing getting in our way is us. Mm-hmm. So the thing I tell parents all the time is, And what I remind myself is you want to encourage your child because you want to encourage them to find something they love and something that will motivate them with purpose. Because if you do that, you will get something much sweeter than a life of happiness. If you ask 99% of the world, what do you want in the world? They're going to tell you, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. But there's something so much sweeter than How's being that happy. going for people? <laughs> yeah. Because by the way, what makes you happy may not be what's good for you. Right. Believe me, there are people out there right now doing things that are not good for them, and they're pretty happy about it. <laughs> but there's something sweeter than a life of happiness, because also happiness usually comes as a result of an outside experience. Oh, if I get this money, I'll be happy. If I meet this girl, mm-hmm. I'll be happy. True happiness shouldn't be contingent on anything outside. It's a mindset. But sweeter than a life of happiness comes from a life of meaning.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Meaning. Wake up every day and go, I want my life to mean something. And it will from only one thing. Focused on how do I impact the world? Take responsibility for the world. How do I use my passions to make a dent in the world. That's something that Steve Jobs said. He goes, I just want to make a dent in the world. That's how we should encourage our children. And guess what? If you do that, if you focus in on the clarity of what you love to do and how you will utilize that to impact another person, you'll make money. Yes. You know why yep. Walt Disney wanted to make money? He wanted Bambi to do well at the box office. Yeah. So he could have the money to make Mary Poppins and he wanted Mary Poppins to do well. So he could have the money to make the next movie.
0: Mm -hmm. It was always
1: the means to an end. Money was the means to an end. It wasn't the end. Right. There's that great line in the movie. Spider-Man with great power comes great
0: responsibility. responsibility."
1: You got it. You're quoting (laughs) Spider-Man. Money is power. You see, the goal of life shouldn't be if I make enough money that I, too, can go sit in a hakuna matata world in a jacuzzi in Hawaii. We don't work a whole week to get to the weekend. Right. We don't do that. We have Shabbat. We have a, a day of rest. We have the weekend to recharge, reevaluate, reinspire, and re-clarify how I'm going to create right. my week, how right. I'm going to partner with God in creating the world.
0: Right, right. That's
1: the mindset.
0: It's all about making a a, a home for God here and doing, being active and perfecting the world. I just love this. Now, Saul. Now that this is the perfect segue to my next question, at what point did Jewish observance enter the scene, the career scene? And how did you navigate integrating that into your life? To, into that. Now you have this big dream. Right. How, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up conservative or conservadocs, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, uh, she lit Shabbos candles and my dad said kiddish and, and uh, you know, we'd watch family movies. We didn't go out to movies on Shabbos. I wasn't allowed to do that. So I thought I was pretty religious growing mm-hmm. up. Because I went to public school and I was the only kid that wasn't allowed to go out to movies. Um, Same like my but,
0: husband.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Traditional. But then there was a point. It's actually between Mulan and Tarzan. Between those movies, we had a break. Uh, they called it Downtime. Because don't think like once you finish a movie, the next day you just start on the next movie. They're still figuring out the script and there's a lot to be done. So I had downtime, which was literally months of getting paid to do nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. I always
1: tell my kids if anyone ever offers you downtime, take the job, right? Because <laughs> you know what downtime is, by the way, in Disney World? You're getting paid to roll roller coaster. We were on Space <laughs> Mountain, Splash Mountain, Thunder <laughs> Mountain, right? I mean, every what day was that? another, I mean, incredible. So, Rather than just squander that time into leisure, which was fun, and I had a great time, I ended up going to Israel.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: went to Israel, and I went on a program called Israelite. with Rabbi T- David Rabbi. Aaron. Yeah, Rabbi David Aaron, exactly, and Rabbi Benny Friedman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll never forget walking in the first day, and Rabbi Benny Friedman speaks to us about mezuzah. <clears throat> He's like, how many of you know what a mezuzah is? I'm like, yeah, the thing on the doorway. I know what that is. He goes, well, what's it for? I'm like, I don't know. Doesn't like guard your house from evil spirits or something. I don't know. He goes, oh, I will come back to that. He goes, what's inside the mezuzah? I'm like, there, there's something inside. I did not know. I thought it was a shin for Shaddai on the outside. That God's, <laughs> I didn't know there's something. He goes, like, no, no, you're missing it. Inside is a parchment. And written on that parchment is part of the Torah itself. It's the Shema. Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Chad. He goes, that comes from the Torah. He goes, you know what the Torah is? I'm like, yeah, it's a history book. He goes, no. The Torah is a love letter from God to humanity.
0: I love that. Isn't
1: that beautiful? It's a love I letter. I love that. You know, when you give a bill in the mail, you read that bill. You just want to get to the number. Like, what do I owe? Yeah. But when you get a love letter, you read every word. Savor, every, sentence,
0: every word. Favor
1: it. That's Torah, right? And then when he your said, kid
0: writes to you from camp, that first letter, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you read it 10 times. Right. You're looking at the penmanship. Why didn't he write it so fast? Was he in a rush? Right? Was there a teardrop? Is that like a smudge? Like what? You know, you want to know. You're like you work for the FBI on that thing. You want to understand everything. You smell it, you know. Uh, is there pine? Is there pine? Yeah, there's pine. He must have been he was in the forest. It means he ran away from camp. He's in the forest, right? Like, you know. So when we have Torah, we read it that way. And it says in the Torah that we are commanded. To take part of the Torah itself, which is the Shema. We are commanded to put it on our doorway. And I remember him saying this. He goes, you know what a doorway is? You know, if you get this thing that's so important to you, you, you don't put it in your doorway. Right? You put it in a safe. You put it in the glass. middle of your home, behind glass, glass. Right? Right. But yet we have part of the Torah, that's what the Shema is, part of the Torah, the greatest gift that God ever gave humanity. humanity. Mm-hmm. Now, where do we put it? Doorway. doesn't make sense unless you go a little deeper. And this is what the rabbi said. He goes, you know what a doorway is? A doorway is a place of transition. A doorway is you're going from your home out into the world. A mezuzah is not a thing. It's an opportunity to ask myself a question. I'm going out into the world. What kind of a world do I want to create? What am I living for? And when do I ask that question? Every day. Mm. Every day, you're about to go out into the world. What's your goal today? You know, close your eyes for a minute. What's your goal? Oh, my goal is I want to go make money. Why? Because I want to impact? Because I want... Are you going... I say this to my kids. You're going out to the mall right now to go shopping. If you come back two hours later and all you have is bags from anthropology... You've wasted your time. Go, go shop in anthropology. But if you come back in two hours and you haven't impacted another person, smiled at somebody, said thank you to somebody for their hard work. That was tell my kids. If you ever see somebody who serves you in a restaurant, anywhere, airport, mm-hmm. and they have a name tag, when you thank them, use their name. Mm-hmm. Just use their name. Watch their eyes light up. You just mm-hmm. impacted the world. You know, by the way, the first guest I ever had on my podcast, I have a podcast.
0: Yes, we're going to talk about that.
1: And it's called Life of Awesome. And the very first guest I ever had on my podcast was Rudy Rudiger, the true story of the guy, Rudy, the football player. Rudy,
0: you're starting. wow.
1: And by the way, it was incredible for me to have the opportunity to share with him what his story meant to me. You got to check out that episode.
0: Of course. I mean, he must have been like.
1: Oh, yeah. Incredible, but but after Rudy, a couple later, I had George Foreman, the boxer, mm-hmm. heavyweight champion of the world twice, also made the Foreman grill. Most of you know. That's saying how old somebody is. If they know him as a boxer, they're over the age of 40. Under 40? <laughs> isn't he the grill guy? And if you're under the age of 20, you don't even know. Never even heard of the guy. But the guy made $138 million his first year with the grill. You know, we were talking about money earlier. Did you hear that number? 138 the first I, year. I, like guess what? Like, the grill has been out for 20 years now. The uh-huh. guy's doing okay. Heavyweight champion of the world twice. So I asked him in his interview, because I interviewed him on my podcast. I go, George, what's the what's the legacy you want your kids to remember about you mm-hmm. out of everything you've done? What's the legacy you want the world to remember about you? He said one thing that I loved humanity, that mm-hmm. I wanted to impact another person. That I walk down the street and I try to smile. And just make somebody's day a little bit better. He didn't mention anything about the grill. He didn't mention anything about money.
0: Right. And
1: there's and the impact that he wants to make, it's the same one that we can make. And it's not dependent on your bank account. It's not dependent on your bank account. 100%. That's what 100%. life is truly about. So for me, I remember being in Israel, learning about mezuzah, that there's this opportunity. By the way, you come into your house. There's the mezuzah there. People always say to me, Saul, you live in Hollywood. You work at DreamWorks, Disney, such a cool job. Wow, so cool. Guess what? It's still work. Some days I love it, and some days it's called work. Some days I work with great people, and some days I work with prima donnas. It's called life. (laughs) It's still a job. And there's that mezuzah. So I can come into my home. My wife could look at my face, and she could see my face and go, oh, my, my, my husband had a tough day. And I could say to her, honey, could you keep the kids away? I've had a tough to keep the kids away. I'm going to go sit in my chair. I'm going to go watch mm-hmm. Netflix. I got to watch some sports like everyone leave me alone. But there's that mezuzah. You know, what that mezuzah reminds me before I walk into my home. You know what, Saul? Why don't you grow up? Grow up. Instead of walking in and bringing your difficult day in, do you know what kind of day your wife had? Why don't you walk in and say, hey, honey, what kind of a day did you have? How about this? What about your kids? I have a nine-year-old daughter, Naomi. What? She can't have a tough day. Mm-hmm. There's a mezuzah. Before we go out into the world and we come into our home to remind us, what kind of a home do I want to create? What are the values I want to have in my home? Why do I need a partner to help me create a home? I had no idea there was meaning like this in wow. these Mitzvot. And I remember the last day of my program in Israel, I said to the rabbi, I go, rabbi, I never learned this growing up before. I never knew this. He looks at me and he says, Saul, it's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know. There you go. So, I remember leaving that trip and I knew very clearly no longer did I want to be Jewish. I wanted to live Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I go back to Disney. I become a director. And I'm the first day on that movie as a director. I'm directing a Winnie the Pooh movie and Winnie the Pooh Springtime with Rue in the movie. The first day, I have a drawing of the 100 acre wood where Winnie the Pooh lives. And if those of you that know, he lives on a tree, he's got a little doorway and whatever. Yeah. And I have to look at the drawing and approve it before it can get to the color department to be painted. So I'm looking at this drawing and everything looks good. And I sign the bottom of it. It approves it. Everyone leaves the room. I'm alone with this drawing for a minute. I'm thinking to myself, wait, don't Disney artists like hide things in the movies? I'm going to hide something. You know, they sometimes draw things that hide like their names. So I sharpen the pencil. I go over to Winnie the Pooh's house and next to his doorway, I drew in a mezuzah. Are you kidding me? I put it in the movie. Now he's not Winnie the Pooh he's Winnie the Jew <laughs> the next movie I directed Kronk's New Groove is the sequel to Emperor's New Groove I'm reading the script I said Kronk gets married I'm like this is great I'll give him a chuppah I got my wedding album I gave it to the Disney art director they put the chuppah the calla lily flowers you know the wedding canopy he steps on the glass boom Mazel tov. it's in the movie and today you know people say to me how do you incorporate living an observant Jewish life in a Hollywood life and it's like how, do, how can you not Right, you know, On a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I come home from work, I get a phone call, I got to get away from the table. I'm in the car with the kids. If I get a work call, they all, shh, daddy's on a work call, shh, quiet. But I come home Friday, I shut that phone off, yeah. I shut that computer off, and my kids, they don't know that daddy's home. They know daddy is home, mm-hmm. right? I got Shabbos to ground me. Judaism is, and it's my identity, Right. It's my lens for looking at the world. World. I live in a town where many people go after that little gold statue. Right. I'm going after something much different. I'm going after meaning. Mm -hmm. And I ask myself every day, how do the projects I work on impact the world? How can I put Jewish values in the world? I'm not just a filmmaker. I'm a Jewish filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening right now, whatever profession you are, put the adjective Jewish in front of it and see how it changes your mindset and how should it. Right? That's how I try to live. <laughs> and if which, and if we can tap into that, we can go from good to great and from great, hopefully to awesome. awesome. <laughs> to
0: your podcast. And you That's have a right. podcast. You're doing speaking all over the world. You have this other career, which again is all because you know that you have impact to leave.
1: Right. I, you know what? I'm a I there's a drug that I am totally addicted to. And it's what? called impacting others. Right. And I can never get enough.
0: Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> when
1: you see when you see a person, you're speaking to someone and you see them light up mm-hmm. with themselves. You know, I tell audiences, you're right, I, I do travel the world speaking. And one of the things I tell communities all the time is if you leave this talk that I'm about to give and you're like, wow, Saul is really inspiring, then I've wasted my time.
0: Yeah. Right. If you're
1: listening to this podcast right now, and you're like, Saul is really inspired, who cares? My wife and my mother can tell me how great I am. The goal is for me to say something that can show you how inspiring you are, mm-hmm. to empower you, yeah. because we are all unique. We all have a dent to make in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that every one of you listening closes your eyes at some point today and digs deep inside yourself and listens to that voice inside you to believe in yourself. And it sounds like a cliche and it sounds corny, but there's nothing stopping us. Just like Yael said, nothing's getting in our way, but us. Yes. And if you have a good marriage, turn it to great. And if you have a great marriage, turn it to awesome. Mm-hmm. If you, if you think you're a good mother, or a good father, become a great mother and father, how find the tools, find the steps, Become a better person. At the end of the day, the truth is really, I, I really do think, and I, I mean this sincerely, there's only really one goal in life and that's to grow as a human being.
0: Right.
1: That's right. the greatest battle. Right. You know, a lot of us can spend our time making lists of how everyone around us should change. If you're married, believe me, you have a list of how your spouse should change. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, believe me, you have a list of how your kids should change. If you work for an employer. Believe it, you have a ex- list of how they should be treating everyone differently. Mm-hmm. Do you have a list for how you should change? Because at the end of the day, the one person you actually can control is it's you. you.
0: Right. right. It's that story of Susha, Reb Susha of Annapoli, right? In his right. deathbed, right? I'm right. not scared. They're going to ask me, why weren't you Abraham? Why, why weren't you Moses? They'll ask me, Susha, why weren't you Susha? Yeah. Saul Blinkoff, this was amazing. Tell everybody where we can find you, the podcast, your website, everything, all the things.
1: Thank you. Um, first of all, just a special thank you to you, Yael, for having me, spending your time with me. You asked amazing questions. And, you know, what I love about this interview is seeing your expressions, seeing your face, like you really inspired me on this. <laughs> And I see like, we're like, we speak
0: the same language. I know
1: it's been great. So I really appreciate you. And I wish I could go
0: on for another hour, but I know your time (laughs) is very valuable.
1: Thank you. But I really, I wish you so much continued success in everything you're doing and in the impact you're making. It's wonderful to see. Uh, And I also just want to thank all the listeners, everyone listening and everyone listening. You should take a moment and, and really commend yourself for tuning into this podcast Mm -hmm. because the fact that you're even listening to a podcast like this shows that you're, you're taking steps to grow and that you do want to live a more awesome life. And that's because you could be watching, you know, Seinfeld on Netflix right now you could be watching Harry and Megan okay. which you don't need to watch <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things you could be watching wasting your time wasting with time. but you're coming and you're saying how do I use the YouTube how do I watch podcasts lit podcasts to grow that's amazing so I thank you all for your time and also I'll also say you know it's it's one thing to to feel inspired but it's another thing to live inspired.
0: Right. Where's the action At, piece? Right? The
1: action. Yeah. So right. if there's anything you've heard in this episode, if it were me, I would write it down. Mm-hmm. Like, listen to it again. Write down certain things you hear and try to turn them into tools. Right. Find those tools. If, you, if you're if you listening, you're like, you know, I want to be more patient with my kids. And go f- find tools to become that. Do You need those action steps because you'll hear something one day and the next day you'll be like, I don't remember what, what they said. Yeah. You got to find tools and ways to make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to, if you, if you do want to follow me and I, I appreciate you inviting me to share. So um, I have my website, saulblinkoff.com. From there, you'll have access to my podcast, Life of Awesome. Um, also my speaking and also I'm just starting uh next week. You have to look for my life coaching arm Ooh. of what I do. So yeah, private one-on-one and there'll be some group life coaching, some starting that as well, which is very exciting. Just uh, trying to find more ways to make more impact. And my animation and everything is on there. So you can check out saulblinkoff.com. Also I'm on Instagram, Saul Blinkoff, life of awesome. You'll see me there. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And you're awesome. And just to recap that point that Saul just made, if you heard anything today that Saul said that I said anything from this conversation, don't let it be just inspiration. Take it to action. Take something. What am I going to do next? Because neither Saul or I want you to just be inspired. We want you to like literally bring it down to reality. So with that, Saul, you're awesome. Thank you so much for this incredible interview and for your time.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks to Saul for stopping by. You can find him at SaulBlinkoff.com, on Instagram at SaulBlinkoff, and his awesome podcast, Life of Awesome, anywhere you're listening to this show. I bet you're super inspired after listening to Saul. And so if you enjoyed this conversation, head over to the Apple Podcast Review and Ratings section on the app on your phone and leave a review. I'd love to hear from you. This, as you know, is one of the best ways to help the show continue to grow, reaching a lot more listeners who are looking for the Jewish outlook, the practical and the spiritual tools that Judaism offers us to build a rich life in every sense of the word. Have an awesome day and a great rest of your week.